Hi. Hi. Welcome to Bizarre <laughs> Welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I've got my Sorry, co-host Darcy cracking up on the other end. I always like to try to surprise her and like, you know. It is, you know, a little bit of a surprise. A yeah. Um, in case you didn't know, this is that crazy podcast where we talk about true crime and really get into the meat of things. We have some girl talk and, you know, talk about all kinds of cool things, legal and medical and all kinds of other neat stuff. I've got some really wild stuff to talk to you about today. Okay. First off, I want to talk about this case that has been big in the news. Um, I don't know if you heard about this. There's an article on CNN.com, but there's been a ton of stuff about it. Um, teen girls charged with murder after carjacking <gasps> an Uber Eats driver in Washington, D.C. Did you hear about this? I've seen the video. Two teenage girls have been charged with carjacking death of an Uber driver, Uber Eats driver this week in Washington, D.C. Mohammed Anwar, 66, of Springfield, of Springfield, Virginia, was killed Tuesday afternoon near Nationals Park. The Metropolitan Police Department said in a statement he was working as an Uber Eats driver um, he, his family is absolutely devastated. This is very, very tragic, and hearts, our hearts go out to Muhammad's family during this difficult time, said an Uber spokesperson. We're grateful the suspects have been arrested and thank the Metropolitan Police Department for their diligence with this investigation. The girls, 13 and 15, mm-hmm. assaulted Anwar with a taser while carjacking him, which led to an accident in which he was fatally injured. The girls were charged with felony murder and armed carjacking. The younger girl is from the southeast section of D.C., the older from Fort Washington, Maryland, police said. Anwar immigrated from Pakistan in 2014. His family said on the GoFundMe page that's been set up for him, he was a beloved husband, father, grandfather, uncle, and friend who always provided a smile when you needed one. He leaves behind a family near and far who cherished love and miss him dearly, the family said. 13 and 15 years old. It's and awful. they're carjacking. So they... <laughs> They, they get in a car and they are trying to take the car, but they, but Muhammad, is that? Yes. Anwar. So, Muhammad but, Anwar. Muhammad, he's, he's still in the car and there are people like around the car. There's obviously there's somebody filming on a cell phone video, but there's people that are like trying to figure out what's going on and trying to help. And I don't know why, but whoever, one of the girls all of a sudden gets in the driver's seat and just floors it with him hanging out of the, the side of the car. Oh my God. And then the car, like it goes to the end of the road and it like turns around the block. And then you just hear this horrific crash. Like it's just, and they get to the scene the the guy with the phone gets to the scene and the Jarring. car is literally on its side. It's just, oh my God. it's, it's unbelievably horrific. It's so horrible. I don't know. I don't know how this happens. It's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know how a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old could get themselves into something like this. It just is mm. baffling to me. Like, where are their parents? Like, wh- how do you get a taser? I don't know. I th- aren't tasers illegal? I mean, I guess maybe it's a state thing, but I thought tasers were, like, illegal for just civilians um, to have. Uh, I think it's really specific to the t- the whatever state you're in, the regulations okay. are. Um, and I think there's certain things that you're not supposed to do with them, like take them in certain places and things of that nature. Right. But I have no idea what the regulations are in Washington, D.C., where this happened. But it just sounds like a really horrifying 
accident incident yeah. like and just it's awful crazy to me that girls of that age would be doing something like that in mm-hmm. the first place like why would you want to carjack a car what's the point of that you're not even old enough to drive i don't know <clears throat> but just horrific that this is like it's in awful. the news yeah and you know they're 13 and 15 they'll probably get a juvenile sentence and be free in a couple of years and think nothing of it i don't know i mean you think they'll try them the, as adults the, not the 13 year old but maybe the 15 year old i don't i mean i don't know i don't and i don't know the right answer like i don't know if they should or shouldn't be tried as a, like i don't i like this is so horrific that like my mind can't i can't grasp it so like i don't know what will happen i don't know what i think should happen like it's just it's a lot to take in you know what i mean I want to know the family history behind this situation. I want to know if there's mental illness. I want to know what's going on that's created this sort of thing in these two young girls to where they would need to go carjack someone. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. If there's mental illness, like what's going on? And they're not from the same. I mean, they're obviously from the D.C. area, but they're not from the same like neighborhood. So like, how did they meet each other? Like, what's the what's the you know, are they related or like what's what's going on? You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Interesting. I think back to when I was 13 and 15 and something like that would never, ever cross my mind as something to go do. I mean, there's always the thought of a joyride and I have to wonder if it started out as something that simple, like they're like, Hey, let's just go take a joyride. And, and, and it just escalated before they knew what was going on or if the whole time they planned on hurting somebody, like it's just interesting to me. Yeah. I don't know that you just casually have a taser though. Like, that to me says it was, like, a planned... Maybe it wasn't planned for to attack him, but, like, that to me says it was a planned. They were going to carjack somebody. Not necessarily, because you could keep a taser for... I have a taser. I have one for self-defense. Like, if I go out and decide I want to walk at, later in the evening, or I had it oh. for when I was with Doopy because I was always afraid that big dogs were going to come rush him and try to attack him, and it happened on a couple of occasions. So I had one to scare the... Sh- had the other dog so that we could get away it wasn't because i wanted to i do have a i have two tasers and the thing is they're not deadly and they're not really i I don't think that they would necessarily be strong enough because they come in all sorts of powers it's not a police it's it's not yeah it's not a police strength taser it's enough to where it would shock you but i don't think it would knock you out it would just make you lose your grip and leave me alone and it, gotcha. in the case of like the dogs, it's enough, like just the sound of the popping of the taser was enough to like right. freak them out and they would back off. And I don't know, I don't know what kind of taser, I mean, you could hear the taser in the video, but I don't know like what kind of taser they had yeah. or whatever, so. But there's all different mm. strengths from right. like a little zipping to like a really powerful pop that can knock you out. Yeah. So interesting Jeez. i'll be like looking out for this to see you know when it goes to court what happens and what they try to use as a mighty getting factor in their sentencing because yeah. you know there's going to be something yeah i mean yeah so let's um jump into the main case um okay i just want to give a quick little trigger warning this case is very gruesome it's got a lot of really graphic details in it that are very kind of scary it uh, could be traumatic to certain people, and we talk about some very serious topics in this episode. So if you are sensitive to that kind of thing, then I recommend that you turn it off now uh, because you will 
feel traumatized if you listen to this case and you're sensitive to that kind of stuff. So just use your discretion. Um, I'm going to talk about a woman by the name of Berlina Wallace. Okay. And I don't know if you know who she is. Um, there's not a ton of background information about this woman, but what is known is that she ended up in the UK, but was born and raised in South Africa. Okay. And it is believed that she immigrated to the UK in her adult years. There's also varying reports about her upbringing, including abuse and a pregnancy at the age of 14. There are stories about a boyfriend that died, as well as a son that died shortly after that. And there also is information out there that she was the victim of a brutal gang rape around the age of 20 before she came to the UK. Oh my God. And she contracted the AIDS virus through that incident, through that assault. Mm. Okay, so she's got some very, very serious trauma and violence in her past. It's also believed that there was some possible abuse with her mother and stepfather. Okay. So let's jump into the current times and the reason that Miss Wallace is being featured in the podcast today. But Berlina was 48 years old when this whole thing went down. And she is a part-time fashion student at the University of West of England, and it's not really clear what she did for work or if she worked at all, but she was not working at the time that this whole thing happened, according to reported uh, information about this story. Okay. She was known by a lot of people around her to have been angry a lot and have trouble controlling her emotions, as well as being depressed and having anxiety. But given her history, it doesn't seem that surprising or unusual for her to have those sorts of things. Depression sure. and anxiety are pretty common. Even if you haven't suffered trauma, those are pretty common. Absolutely. Um, things for a lot, a good portion of society. And, anyway. and when is this happening? Or are you going to get to that? Oh, okay. I'm going to get to it. So Berlina meets Mark Van Dongen around 2010. So just to give you some idea, she's in her 40s mm -hmm. and he is in his early 20s. So there's about a 20-year age okay. difference between them. And reportedly, this May-December couple met through a dating website. Um, any guess what type? A sugar mama website? No. Um, she doesn't work, so oh, she couldn't right. be sugar mama. Um, but um, it was for a website for people living with HIV. Oh, Okay. So this is yet another element that possibly factors into the case, but it's believed that Mark lived in the Netherlands at the time that he met her, and the two hit it off almost instantly, almost instantly. and he really looked up to Berlina because she was living with HIV for nearly right. 20 years, presumably, again, the result of this brutal rape that she'd endured back in South Africa, and there seems to be an element of motherly comfort taking place as okay. well. So... Mark had contracted the AIDS virus through an ex-girlfriend much more recently and was in the process of learning to live with the virus. And so he had been born and raised in the Netherlands and starts making trips to see Berlina in the UK, mm -hmm. in Bristol, England. The two dated for about a year before Mark moved in with Berlina. He then begins working as an engineer and he has a great job in construction and the two have what looked to be a pretty good relationship. They travel, they go out with friends, they enjoy other people, they're spending a lot of time together and with their friends out on the town, and Mark introduces her to his family, and it looks like from the outside things are going well for the two. Um, my, Mark has a very tight-knit family dynamic as well, 
and he has a very special relationship with his father named Cornelius Van Dongen. But reportedly it did not take long for abuse to surface in this relationship. And most people that knew these two say that Berlina was the initiator of violence. Hmm. Okay. There were no point, excuse me, there were no reports of violent behavior by Mark except for the ones created specifically by Berlina and no one really can corroborate those except mm-hmm. her. So from the outside looking in, Berlina is this super controlling woman and she's directing their relationship in a very manipulative sort of way. She's said to have picked fights with Mark over inconsequential or small things and then she would hide his passport so he couldn't leave. Ooh. She also frequently accused him of cheating, although everyone knew that Mark said there was no uh, truth to this accusation. And these two start having increasingly violent arguments where Berlina actually threw boiling water Mm. at Mark on one occasion. So it looks as though Mark is this abused spouse and he basically tells authorities initially that the water thing was an accident, but then later says that this is a situation where she did mm. throw the water at him. And there's clearly a lot of elements of escalating in this domestic violence sort of a situation that Mark and Berlina are enduring in their home. And he doesn't really know how to react. And it's pretty clear. It seems like there is like some confusion, some sadness, some fear, and all these things are probably going through Mark's head. And since it's so much less frequent for women to be the aggressors in a domestic violent type situation, Mark probably didn't have any idea how to react or what to do as Berlina keeps getting worse and worse, right? And I think there's some element of embarrassment and maybe shame if you're the man in a domestic violence situation being abused. And so I think there's a tendency to report yes in those sorts of situations, Yeah, there's certainly a stigma and the additional stigma of both of them living with HIV. Right, right. So experts say that although this sort of behavior appears to be rare, it's actually not as infrequent as we may think, since men don't tend to report these types of abuse incidences. Mm -hmm. There is a stigma for men that do report, so the numbers are often underreported in statistics as well. So one, one in seven women are said to experience domestic violence by an intimate partner and about one in 25 men. Although, like I just said, it, it appears that these numbers can be underreported right. and that there probably are larger numbers. Women on men, violence is typically reported less than 10% of total cases. Just FYI. The cases that are reported about right. 10% of, or less are men being abused okay. by women. So the reasons behind these sorts of actions typically include the need for attention, anger, or jealousy. And friends of the couple say that the two frequently broke up and then got back together. And he reportedly felt pretty bad for her and guilty. So this cycle just keeps repeating itself in this abusive relationship over and over. And Mark's family and friends are soon, are soon starting to get to the point where they're concerned for Mark's safety because he reportedly told some of them that he was afraid of Berlina. Mm. Now, Mark also reportedly showed scratches from Berlina on several occasions and people around them can see that the relationship was a bit one-sided. Mm-hmm. So it seemed that Mark cared for and loved her much more than she did for him, is what mm-hmm. people were saying. So this is not to say that Berlina wasn't undergoing abuse from Mark as well, but the evidence in this case, as it appears, is 
shows that it's not as likely that she was abused as he was. And she was also like controlling the everyday financial side of their relationship as well. She was basically living off his paycheck. So this is like a full-fledged abusive relationship, emotionally, financially, physically. Yeah. Yes. She's controlling every aspect of his life. She takes his passport when she doesn't want him to go anywhere. And she's taking his money for their living expenses, as well as sending money to her family back in South Africa. So she's pretty much controlling every part of that relationship. So fast forward to the summer of 2015 and Mark finally gets up the courage to leave and the couple separates. At that point, Mark starts seeing another person. Reportedly, this woman named Violet was also about 20 years older than him. So you can see that there's kind of like a thing for him with the older gals. But Mark was still living with Berlina when he initiated the next relationship. Although they were supposedly broken up, according to all accounts, he was still living there. I know a couple of people that have like, for whatever reason, that they've had to do that or they've tried to do that. And it's just a bad idea. Yeah, it's never good. Um, Mark bounces, stays in a hotel for a while, and then eventually moves in with Violet, his new girl. Um, But Berlina can't let go, and she's sure that she can't make it without his paycheck. And again, I'm sure it was hard for her to let that financial piece go. He probably was making very good money. And then she tells the poor guy that she's so distraught that she is going to overdose. So she's threatening that she's going to kill herself and she's going to overdose. And she allegedly did try to commit suicide at one point. And she thinks this will help her get Mark back. And so she tells him that she tried to commit suicide and he comes running back and ends up going back to her. And I guess Mark is pulled back into this relationship once more when she starts threatening that she's going to commit suicide. Okay. However, it's important to note that Berlina's um, suicide attempts aren't necessarily, at least the first one, she denies that she made an attempt the first time. Um, She said she was just abused by Mark and that she was worried about being able to afford living on her own without his paycheck. So she's denying that she tried to commit suicide and pulled him back into the relationship with that. Um, However, August 23rd, 2015, Mark is back with Violet again, and Berlina sends texts and calls both Mark and Violet. She's harassing them and doesn't speak in some of the calls. She just calls them and hangs up or calls them, and she's quiet on the other end and then hangs up eventually. Either way, Mark um, reported it Mm -hmm. to the police. And Mark initially tried to calm Berlina down. He offers to support her, to help her until she can get on her feet and Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But she isn't hearing it. She's upset and inconsolable. And one week later, Mark is just done. And he calls the police and tells them that she's harassing him. And the police give her a verbal warning. They tell her to stop, knock it off, stop calling Mark, and stop calling Mark's girlfriend. Basically leave Is that as effective in the UK as it is here? Yeah, no. (laughs) In turn, Miss Wallace denies any harassment, surprise, surprise, and says that she is now embarrassed and humiliated that Mark would do such a thing as calling the police for her innocent behavior. Oh, wow. So she's pretty dramatic about it. Um, And that same day, uh, Wallace orders some 98% concentrated sulfuric acid online. She orders it on Amazon. Nuh-uh. Yeah. You can order 98% Um, concentrated sulfuric acid on Amazon? I don't think you can anymore. 
but this was 2015, and I believe that you could at the time. Because she ordered it through and Amazon. You may have looked this up. You may not have. I don't know. What's I'm assuming it's some sort of household solvent. Do you know why? Like why yeah, you'd be you able can to... use it for a whole number of different things. You can use it for cleaning. You can use it for acid washing clothing. Oh, okay. You can use it for okay. a whole number of different things. And I'm going to talk about gotcha. that just okay. a little bit later. I don't think you can buy it in higher than 15% concentration right. now. I think that because of the increase in acid attacks worldwide, I think that most places that sell it are extremely cautious yeah. with it now. And there are steps in place to try to um, limit the sale and use of this particular thing because it's, it's really like dangerous. It's like fertilizer. But- like... Yeah, you can buy fertilizer, but like when you start buying a lot of fertilizer and you're not like industrial, it's very suspicious. Yeah, unless you have a specific purpose for it, like you're, you have a job where it's required, then it's very suspicious. Yeah, like if you're a bit, if you're like a one of those big yeah. industrial farms, yeah. But like if you're like yeah. a guy, maybe yeah. chop that name but down. She bought the sulfuric acid and then she contacted a mental health crisis line, hmm. um, and she overdosed again. She was hospitalized this time, staying under doctor's care for about 24 hours before being released. Mm-hmm. Of course, Mark comes running, as she wanted him to. And she claims that he called her and expressed his feelings and said that he wanted to get back together. Yeah. And you can see where this is going, right? Happened. But Berlina starts rapidly searching the web. She's looking for what sulfuric acid does, what happens if you drink sulfuric acid, what happens if you throw it on someone? Pictures of people who have had acid thrown on them. And she's researching cases where women, and one in particular, a former model, had acid thrown on her face. So she wants So when to... you told me you were going to do an acid, like a story, this, that's, the, that's the one I was thinking of, the, the model. Yeah, there's a few of them, I think, mm-hmm. in that instance. Well, there's the one but... I'm thinking of, like, is the one where she ends up getting back together with the guy? That's another one. That's another yeah. different one. That's a crazy case in yeah. itself. But in any case, she's looking up these cases to see what these women look like, to see what the damage is, to see what happens. She wants to know all the details. Which you know seems... what? Step number like two or three in deciding to commit a crime, clear your search history. Yeah. Well, I don't. I think that it's, even if you do clear your search history, there's still a way for them to look and find it. Yeah, but maybe. But like, it seems like so many people don't even try. Yeah, well, I don't think she understood that they could look for that back then, right? Well, 2000, what, 15? Mm-hmm. She wasn't, she didn't sound like very tech savvy. Oh, okay. Um, but she actually gets the acid from Amazon and then immediately takes off the warning label. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not suspicious the, at all. The, the giant skull and crossbones. Right. And she's like, she takes she it She draws off. like a... She, Umbrella and like a cherry. Okay, this is a daiquiri. <laughs> this is like whipped cream on the side of <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, it's really not funny, but I don't no, know. it's not funny. Um, September twenty third, two thousand fifteen. Berlina and Mark decide to have dinner together, and there's some mixed accounts of this incident. Whether he planned it or she lured him there, quote unquote. Um, but he comes over to have dinner at her apartment, and other people say that she called him and threatened to harm herself if he didn't come over. So there's some manipulation mm-hmm. going on there. And Mark arrives at Berlina's apartment later in the evening on September 23rd, and the two immediately get into an argument. 
and I'm sure you can make educated guesses on that as to what they probably argued about. I'm sure he was like, hey, I want to break up. And she was like, yeah. no, no, I need you and all that and so on and so forth. Or like, you told me you were in like severe danger and I rushed over here and like you have candles lit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. So he agrees to spend the night, but she goes to stay in a hotel I'm not really sure what the dynamic was at that point, and I don't think anyone in that relationship is necessarily going to tell the truth as to what mm-hmm. happened either. But according to one account, Berlina goes to the hotel, and then at 3 a.m., Mark is sleeping, and Berlina sneaks back into the apartment, stands over the bed, and tosses acid onto Mark. And he wakes up to the sound of her laughing. <gasps> And she basically says to him that if she can't have him, no one can. Oh, my God. She's said to have laughed maniacally and said, if I can't have you, no one can. Can you imagine waking up to that sound? I can't even. I can't even. She had thrown sulfuric acid, and it immediately began burning Mark's skin. Mark jumps up and starts screaming and runs into the street in front of the apartment. He was blind and in severe pain. Neighbors run out and see his face basically melting as the skin was being burned by the acid. One of his eyes was missing, (gasps) an ear, and his nose. This horrific sight probably created post-traumatic stress for anyone, including Mark, that was involved in this incident. Um, one of the neighbors pulls Mark in and immediately begins issuing, or excuse me, running cold water over his face and kind of rendering first mm-hmm. aid until the paramedics can get there. Would water help? And evidently, Mar- uh, water is supposed to be what you're what you're supposed to do with an acid attack. Run it under cold water okay. with that sort of a thing, a corrosive substance to, to dilute it and get it off the skin. Okay, that makes but sense. But I think by then there was some significant damage yeah. that had already been done, so I don't think that they were necessarily... They might have helped to take any residual acid on the skin right. off, but that's what you're supposed to do. Or at least do, provide apparently. some kind of relief to Mark. I mean, even if the damage yeah, is done. I don't. God. I think he was in, in excruciating pain at that point, and there was nothing anybody was going to be able to do for him that was going to help with that at that Jesus. point. Um, and he's waiting for the ambulance to come, and he tells everyone it's Berlina that did this. And he reported to the police multiple times and to the authorities as well that she's the one that carried out this acid attack. There are pictures of the bed where she poured the acid on him. And it's just, you see it like described in several podcasts that she threw a cup of acid on him. But when you see the scene, it looks like there's gallons and gallons of acid that was thrown on this poor guy. And this is her apartment, right? So like all the neighbors know that it's like her bed. Yeah. Gotcha. Mark is taken to the hospital, and he is in critical condition, with over 25% of his body covered in acid burns. Mm. But most of it is concentrated on his upper body, face, etc. The hospital has to sedate him, and he has to have a lot of surgeries related to this. But police take in Berlina, who they find at home, just chilling on the couch. Uh... Yeah, she hasn't changed the sheet. She hasn't tried to hide anything. She's, like, just sitting there, like, in a catatonic state, basically. And they start questioning her, and she claims... I'm sure you can guess what she's going to say. I'm not sure I can. (laughs) There are multiple versions of her story, but she basically claims that he had abused her, and she was afraid for her life, and so she acted in self-defense. 
She said that there was a struggle and that she grabbed a cup on the bedside table and threw it at him. But, you know. So that means really? she just has a cup of acid on her bedside table? She claims that she thought it was water. Right, but at one point she had to have put the acid in the cup. Yeah, she claims he put it in there because he was going to hurt her and she beat him to it. Which is absolutely freaking ridiculous. There's a lot of circles to she square there. She also says... Yeah, exactly. She says that um, she used to ask him for water in the middle of the night, and she said that he poured it in there because he was going to give it to her when she asked for water water in the middle of the night, which, again, completely bonkers ridiculous. Who would believe this? Um, Her story just kept changing multiple times. She said she's as well that she was a fashion student and intended to use the acid for acid washing, some clothing. Okay. But, you know, it wasn't looking too good for her by that point because she didn't render any aid to Mark and she didn't call the emergency services and she called a friend instead right after the attack. If that was to brag or if she was just like, oh, hey, what's up? I don't know, but she didn't. Hey, what you doing? Yeah, exactly. Um, The judge was said to have said that her act, excuse me, the judge was said to have told Berlina that her attack was, quote, an act of pure evil. Yeah. But she was only charged with throwing a corrosive substance with criminal intent or with intent. Okay. And she was held in custody waiting for her trial to begin. Throwing a corrosive substance. Yes. Not that's assault. Interesting... Not attempted murder. And I'm going to kind of get into that in just a second. But that's, that's the like an, only That's charge. an interesting charge to have on, your, on the books in general. Like, exactly. We're just going to have this in case this happens? Yeah. Okay. Let me jump into this a little bit deeper okay in the meantime mark spends nearly a year in intensive care and several months of this he is in a coma presumably medically induced to help him heal at the four month point he is able to communicate but not with speech he has to hold out his tongue to and point to letters on a board he was eventually moved to a burn unit where he had to undergo dozens of extremely painful operations, skin grafting, and over 40% of his body was covered by either burn areas or skin grafting spots. Oh, my God. Which must have been just excruciating. Um, not only did he have severe disfiguring scars, but he was also paralyzed from the neck down from this attack. <sighs> he had to have one of his legs amputated. He lost one eye and had very limited function in the other. Not only that, but the pain was said to be so unbearable that even heavily medicated, he was absolutely excruciatingly in mind-numbing pain all the time. Ugh. Which just... Uh, and he was horribly disfigured. His nose yeah. was gone. Like, his one of his eyes was gone. Like, she had really messed him up bad. He was said to have suffered numerous infections in multiple body parts, not surprisingly, Mm -hmm. and also keeping in mind that he has the AIDS virus, so his immune system is probably compromised already, right? Oh, Jesus, I forgot about that. Oh, my God. His kidneys and bowels were also injured by the attack, and he suffered from intolerable itching most of the time, which is probably a common thing for brain (gasps) victims, right? Oh, that's awful. So he's paralyzed, but he's still getting these itching sensations. So he still has the sensation. Yeah, yeah. He can't move his body parts, but he still has feeling in some, and it's (sighs) that just itching all the time. Um, so people who cared for him during this hospital stay say it was the worst acid attack aftermath they'd ever witnessed. And this poor guy is also suffering from depression and PTSD, which is mm-hmm. not surprisingly considering the horrific nature of this attack. Um, Mark's father, Cornelius, which um, he never left his son's side and was a significant emotional pillar of support for Mark. 
um, as Mark suffered through countless hours of treatment. And several months after he was released from the ICU, Mark gets a lung infection and gets sent back to intensive care. Hmm. And a tube is required to be inserted into his throat and chest to drain the infection and subsequent fluid collecting in his lungs. This is a major major emotional and physical setback because Mark had just started to be able to speak again with a special valve. Mm -hmm. And this was his only way to communicate with his family because he's paralyzed, right? Mm -hmm. And in order for them to insert the stuff to get the fluid out of his lungs, they have to, they can't put the tube in for him to speak anymore. So they have to Mm -hmm. pull it out so he can't communicate or speak anymore. Um, He's transferred to a long-term care facility or a nursing home as we often call them here. However, Mark still suffers consistent and terrible pain, and the nursing facility can't really take care of him in a way that would give him any sort of tolerable quality of life. The family decides to move Mark from England to Belgium to be closer to family and better care. There is also additional reasoning behind this, which I'm going to get to in just a moment. But as as it turns out, medical professionals confirmed Mark would never regain use of his limbs, And this was absolutely devastating to him Mm -hmm. because I think he had some hope that he might be able to walk again or have partial use of his limbs at some point. And at that point, he applies for euthanasia assistance. Mm. Um, This is a huge thing in the States. Um, You know, the Dr. Kevorkian thing Mm -hmm. has been a very controversial issue here because um, using a medical professional, there's certain requirements a patient has to undergo to end their life. And there's a very specific criteria that needs to happen in order to demonstrate that the patient is undergoing unbearable mm-hmm. suffering. And as with Mark's case, he fell under the term voluntary euthanasia, but assisted suicide is when you help someone take their own life at their request and the patient takes the final step. Right. Voluntary euthanasia, on the other hand, is where a person can't take that final step but wants to end their life and the doctor helps them do it. So they don't take the final step. The doctor takes the final step at right. their request. And so, sorry, go ahead. In many places, voluntary euthanasia is illegal, mm-hmm. but assisted suicide is legal in some places. Mm-hmm. There's probably 10 or 15 states in the U.S. that allow it, as well as a lot of other countries, but that voluntary euthanasia is much more limited. Yeah, so. and the, the, the controversy behind the physician-assisted suicide is the whole Hippocratic Oath of a physician do no harm. Right. So... There's mm-hmm. people that think that by allow, uh, allowing somebody to die by suicide or assisting somebody dying by suicide violates that Hippocratic Oath. But then there's the other compassionate care component of, of right. that, too. If, there's, if the quality of life is so limited or non-existent, then yeah. is it you know not better? And that's why there's all those requirements. Like in, I think, like, Washington State was the first one to pass the physician-assisted suicide law. And, like, mm-hmm. you have to have a terminal <clears throat> illness. You have to go through, like, you, and it has to be, like, there's all these conditions There's a whole list of qualifying yeah. factors. Yeah. yeah. So I believe California, Colorado, Hawaii, Washington, Vermont, and Michigan, other states also allow the assisted suicide. And I think the reason that Kevorkian got arrested is because he filmed himself assisting with the suicide. Yeah. Taking the final, and then sent it to the police. Like he was basically flouting it. So if he had just let them take the final step and not taken that step or not filmed it, then he probably would have been fine. But he just kind of, I think, took it one step too far. But in any case, Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, Canada, Colombia, Switzerland all have permitted circumstances where they allow 
voluntary euthanasia. Gotcha. Okay. And that is one of the reasons why they moved him to Belgium, I think. It doesn't okay. specifically say that, but I'm pretty sure that that was on their mind at the time. Sure. Um, in England, assisted suicide and euthanasia, um, the assisted euthanasia are all illegal. Okay. And again, he wouldn't have been able to do anything in England. That's why mm-hmm. they moved him to Belgium. In the meantime, Mark gets another lung infection. Mm. And basically they tell him that he would have a 95%, excuse me, he would have a 95% chance of never being able to speak again. They have to remove the tube. He can't speak again. And he's paralyzed and he will not be able to speak for the rest of his life. So, and lung infections are, and respiratory infections are really common in people and persons that are paralyzed um, from from I mean basically where your die if you're paralyzed from your diaphragm if you're if you don't have the use of your diaphragm you can't cough you can't clear out yep. the mucus like they don't have the <clears throat> the resources like they can't clear their throat they can't cough they can't do those things yeah so they it's it's a really common and dangerous side effect for persons that are paralyzed to get lung infections and respiratory infections and he's already got an, a compromised immune system, so right. it makes it even more likely that that's going to be something that he's going to frequently suffer from. And they also tell him that in addition to the fact that there's a 95% chance they won't ever be able to insert the speaking tube again, that if he doesn't treat the infection, that he would basically die a slow, painful death of asphyxia. Drown, like, in his own infected fluids in his lungs. God. So, like, he's got no choices. Right. And the family calls in a number of consultants who determine that Mark meets a specific criteria to make him eligible for assisted euthanasia under the laws of Belgium. Mm -hmm. Those are assisted um, euthanasia is appropriate if the following conditions are met. And I think it varies from country to country that allows this. And Belgium is one of the stricter ones where you have to meet a lot of criteria before you're allowed. But the patient has to, number one, be legally competent. Number two, the request must be voluntary. There can't be any outside pressure to cause this. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, the patient has to be in a medically futile condition with no hope of cure or recovery. Number four, there has to be constant and unbearable pain that cannot be alleviated or suffering that can't be alleviated. Number five, the doctor must make sure the patient is aware of all options like therapeutic or mm-hmm. palliative care. Um other alternatives to this number six the doctor must be certain of the condition of the patient and severity of the condition so there has Mm -hmm. to be other people that have to be consulted and brought in it can't just be one doctor and then the last one is they must allow a minimum of one month between the request for the assisted euthanasia and the actual Mm -hmm. euthanasia so mark and his family decide together that euthanasia is the best option for him. He doesn't feel like his quality of life is good. He's in unbearable pain. Medication doesn't touch it. He's itching. He can't walk. He can't speak. He's horribly disfigured. He feels as though that is his only option at that point, which is incredibly, incredibly sad. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, in this case, the team evaluating Mark determines that he fully embodies the definition of unbearable physical and psychological suffering. And he pleads with his family to let him go. And seven fifteen January 2nd, 2017, Mark dies of the assisted euthanasia. At that point, Berlina is, she was initially charged with throwing corrosive substance, but after the euthanasia murder charges are tacked on. 
Okay, I was going to ask that question. Okay. Okay. November 2017, the first trial happens, and the defense team successfully persuades the court that the injuries Mark received were not the cause of his death, and so it could not be murder. No. So there's got to be a causal a causal link between the action that the person took and the ultimate outcome of the death. Right. And they determined that that link had been broken because his injuries did not result in the death. The actions of the doctors providing the euthanasia assistance created his death. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's kind of a simplified way to put it. But, yeah. Um, so Berlina's action must immediately cause the death. There can't be a break in that link. Mm-hmm. Um, and this decision was appealed by the prosecution almost immediately, and they send it back for retrial with a jury. Because in the UK, you can appeal an a acquittal. Yes. Yeah, that's something super interesting. Yes. So there was some debate as to whether Berlina's action could be considered murder or manslaughter, because in UK, manslaughter is murder without premeditation, and then murder is with premeditation. Oh. So there's a okay. little bit of a difference than how they label it than the way yeah. we do it here. But if you throw in the element of causation, you've got to have a direct link between Berlina's actions and, and Mark's death. And the prosecution believes that were it not for Berlina's actions, that he would never have sought that euthanasia. Absolutely. Um, and... It wasn't questioned that Berlina attacked him with the acid, but the prosecution says that she effectively caused the death because her acid attack left Mark in unbearable pain and suffering that was permanent and could right. not be alleviated. Right. And that caused him to seek out the euthanasia. So if Berlina hadn't thrown the acid, Mark wouldn't have taken his own life through euthanasia. Yeah. So they create that link in that case. Um, early 2018, the jury trial begins in the UK for Berlina Wallace. And Berlina takes a stand herself against the advice of her legal team. We all know that literally never do that. You shouldn't. Yeah. Um, And she makes up yet another version of the events leading to the attack. Oh, God. Right. She's got 25 versions by this point. Um, At this point in time, she claims that she bought the acid to clean out the sink drains in her apartment. Okay. She also denied any intent to cause harm with acid, despite all of her actions and computer searches, etc. So she's like, disregard all that. Believe me. Believe me. And she claims self-defense. She says, yeah, I was mean and sometimes angry. Sometimes I scratched him and bit him and threw things. But I regret this. And it wouldn't have happened if Mark hadn't have hit, kicked, cheated on me, and racially abused me. Racially abused? Yes, she was black and he was white. Oh, okay. Um, she claimed that Mr. Von Dongen verbally and physically abused her as well as that he attacked her family on multiple occasions and made extremely racial, racially insensitive comments. Okay. Um, so basically she just made him out to be this all-around abusive jerk right. and bad-mouthed him to the jury, which isn't surprising. After all that he went through, and he's gone and dead yeah. by that point because he had the assisted euthanasia, and he can't argue for himself. Um, when they asked her why she stayed, she claimed that she had no one else in the UK and that Mark was her family, and even though she'd been there for decades, that he was all she had and she couldn't do it without him, hmm. which seems hmm, iffy. So all in all, Berlina played up the drama, collapsing in sobs at one point, as you do when you do something so evil, I think. 
But she says she tried to kill herself on multiple occasions and wanted to die. So she also continually brought up her past as a mitigating factor, including the rape, the gang rape, and the suffering of the abuse from her mother and stepfather. So after 15 hours of deliberation by 10 men and two women, they announce a verdict. You want to guess the outcome? It's unanimous. I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous to guess it. She's acquitted. I was, that's what and I was going to say. Uh, I was nervous that was going to be the answer. She was found guilty of throwing corrosive fluid with intent. Yeah. What's her sentencing? Less than a year. No. She gets life in prison. Whoa. She's the first person in the UK to get life in prison for an attack like this, an acid attack. Who does this sentencing in the UK? Is it the judge or the, is there They have sentencing guidelines. But so like the jury recommended life in prison? We no. think They have sentencing guidelines like we do here. Like you get 20 right. years of life for murder. You get such and such for this. You get such, say, look at what's been done in the past. Oh, like a, okay, they, they have mandatory minimum. Yes. Okay. So in this instance though, they did not really have all that much to look for because there's not a whole lot of acid. There was no life in prison for acid attack in England prior to this case, but you have to look at the sentencing guidelines and they have to look for assault sentencing. And they obviously determined there was no attempted murder because acid attacks are not typically intended to kill. And Mm -hmm. they do not believe that she intended to kill Mark with her attack. She just wanted to disfigure him. Mm -hmm. And the court considered a number of other factors, including premeditation, previous history of violence, and lies to the police to avoid her responsibility um, with what happened in the attack. Her actions were considered intentional. She tried to disfigure Mark. She did not render aid. And she'd had prior counseling where she admitted anger and violence. So they determined that she's dangerous Mm -hmm. and she's manipulative and she does not belong out on the street. And the only acceptable sentence for her, given all these factors, is life in prison. Wow. But... We also know that in places like Canada and UK, life in prison is not really life in prison. Same here. You still have the possibility of parole. Right. And she has the possibility of parole after 12 years. Yeah. Because they Um, do not have mandatory life. No. I mean, they say life, but you still have parole. Like they have, they do have like some, they'll pass like a natural life sentence. But yeah, like everybody's eligible for parole. It doesn't mean you'll get it, but everybody's eligible for parole. Well, there are certain instances where they can take that off the table. If the person is determined to be unsafe for future release at any point, they can... There's gotcha. There's specific exceptions that they can give in those That's sorts of few instances. few and far between. Like serial killers and things like yeah, that, yeah, where they yeah, know yeah. that person's never going to be rehabilitated. But she was given credit for 900 and 972 days in custody, and she's eligible for release um, or parole in 2027 wow yeah um acid attacks on the whole or on the rise around the world because of the crackdown on guns and knives acid is an alternative um and it's used typically to humiliate not kill Mm -hmm. and mostly in domestic violent type of situations in recent times there have been about 500 reported cases in the uk alone for acid attacks Um, worldwide about 80 percent of the attacks are perpetuated upon women um but in the uk this jumps to mostly men and it's usually related to gang violence and disputes um Hmm. and it's it's a much more convenient weapon to carry around because there's no crime to carry acid 
So right. it's become something that's increasingly pretty, increasing pretty dramatically in a lot of different places. Um, plus, you can blind the person. They can't see the perpetrator. Right. There's less DNA evidence. It's easier to walk away from it, etc. Acid can be very easily purchased. It's a common, and also common household chemicals can be used as acid, like bleach, etc. Right. Um, and they can be used as a weapon, and they're very easily obtainable. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, UK is restricting the purchase of acids and requiring licenses in some instances. Um, South Asia actually has the highest number of acid attack cases. That I do find believable. Um, but hopefully Berlina won't get parole. She seems like a pretty scary person. That's so, like, because if you look at it objectively, you could tell the story as a battered wife story, too. It could be. If you, like, if you just, like, took her word for it. And, like, that's so hard because... And if that's the case, can she be rehabilitated? Can Does she deserve to get parole? But the thing is, like, I think the experts in this case believe that she's highly dangerous. Right. And she's already, you know, there's a lot of instances where you get women and men who can age out of crime. And she's already of a certain age, so they don't think she could age out of crime. And they right. don't really think she can be rehabilitated. She's just a very angry person. She's got serious issues, antisocial behavior, unhealthy coping mechanisms, and she's unable to manage her emotions. She has no remorse, and she's not taking any responsibility for it, and she's actually blaming the victim. So what? I just don't know what can be done for this woman to put her in a situation where she can be a productive member of society without the danger of her losing her temper and yeah. lashing out again. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree. And that the thing that, like, sucks is... I also agree that she should have been acquitted for murder. Like she didn't, she's responsible for his death. She is responsible for his death, but the direct cause when you make it like, like you explained it, like the direct link, Mm -hmm. I don't think is there. And like, that's a legal precedent thing, right? Like if you convict her for, if you convict her for murder, what does that open the door to in other future cases? Yeah, it sets a precedent. But right. on the other hand, it's like, I wonder if she feels bad or if she's blocked it out. Or I just can't imagine doing that to someone and not feeling immediate, instant regret and just terror that you'd done something so awful. I can't imagine that either. But I, in my experience with other people who have similar traits that, that you described for her... So like sociopath, like what, what would give you? Well, anti, antisocial personality disorder is the new antisocial and borderline personality disorder are the new diagnoses for psychopathy. Like they're not psychopathy isn't a diagnosis anymore. It's, it's antisocial or borderline. So So you don't feel regret. You don't feel remorse. You don't feel normal emotions, sadness and whatever. You just are kind of, your brain doesn't work that way. It's not your. It's not your fault. The circumstances made you do it. And what is it that creates this? Is it environmental factors or like your DNA? I have that. I don't know. I don't have any idea. I don't know that experts know. It's just wild. Like, yeah. And how do you treat somebody psychologically speaking for something like that? Do you give them medication? Do you give them counseling? Like, how do you? help with that i mean i imagine counseling but i don't i medication i don't know like i don't know 
what medications would work for that. There's typically, from my understanding, and, and I could be way off, so if I am, please write in and let me know. My understanding is it's not uncommon for antisocial or borderline personality disorder to accompany other, like a primary diagnosis, like maybe bipolar disorder. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. you maybe you would treat that mm-hmm. w- with medication and then via therapy treat the other. I'm not sure. That's um, wild. Yeah. I was listening to an NPR special or something. It was a podcast at some point where they were talking about treatment methods throughout the years for people with antisocial behavior and, and borderline personality, things like that. And they said that they had some very extensive studies that were done on this and they treated people with these disorders in a certain way and tried to prove that the treatment that they were giving them was actually helping, but was actually happening was faking it. Yeah. They were learning what behavior was acceptable and Mm -hmm. just mimicking it. So there was no real emotion. There was no fixing. It was just Mm -hmm. them learning how to game the system. I believe that. And that they got out after these incidences and just went and kept doing the same stuff that they I mean, were it's, doing. It's like Ed Kemper, right? Like he was in the institution when he was a juvenile because he killed his grandfather. Yeah. And he ends up manipulating a psychiatrist to working in the guy's office. And he ends up look getting all the answers to the test. So he knows how yeah. to ace the test to get out. I mean, that's... I think they find that people with that condition are very good at mimicking those around them to mm-hmm. fake normal behavior so that they can appear like a normal person. I think that's people like, that doesn't sound like Berlina. Like she couldn't, she can't, she clearly can't fake like an everyday common person. How do you know know that? What'd you say? How do you know that? Maybe she did and she just had a break and that's when this whole thing happened. Because clearly she went back and forth with him and they had good times and she faked being a normal person enough to lure him back in. And then she lost her ish and blew up. How much of that, though, was her being able to pull that off versus his immaturity and not seeing and Who not... she really was. Yeah. Which is not... I don't mean to sound like I'm blaming the victim by any means. But how know. much was... You know what I mean? Like That's a tough one. Because if you've got somebody that has anger management issues, it's not necessarily going to come out right in the beginning anyway. No. Like, you're going to have your little honeymoon period. And then once you get comfortable, you're going to let loose. Yeah. But how much of that is mental illness? How much of it is anger management? Like, where well, is the and, line drawn? And, and how much can you blame on mental illness and not take responsibility for it because of mental illness? That's the real yeah. thing. Like, and then it sounds like she's also trying to kind of play it off with, well, I was abused and I was gang raped and I was this and I was that. And that excuses all my behavior. Mm-hmm. That's and not the that I don't feel compassion do for somebody who has abusive situations, but there are plenty of people that are in abusive situations that don't react with violence and mm-hmm. anger and, and hurting people. Yeah. So it's quite an interesting kind of conundrum. And it's like, what do you do with these people? Are they, you just lock them up and throw away the key? I don't know. I know the UK, like Canada, have better rehabilitative programs than we do. So maybe, hopefully, they can figure out an answer. Because I know mm-hmm. we're not going to find it in the US justice system. Well, not anytime soon. I don't know. That's a very interesting case. And it I is. just felt, I felt incredibly sad. Um, that a person could do that to another person and cause them to lose everything 
and and want to die and then i uh, it just this case really impacted me like very very strongly but to get to that kind of a dark place and somebody causing you to feel that way is just horrific to me just so scary i don't know or to be in that kind of pain like physically like he was in excruciating pain that even the toughest morphine yeah. couldn't touch the quality of life you can't that's, walk that's the you thing can't with talk. me and that's that's the thing with with where i stand with um physician assisted suicide is does the quality of life for that person and that's their decision yeah not it's not my decision to make for anybody else and, that's the and thing. i wouldn't I support, want anybody to make i support that people for being me. able to make that decision themselves mm-hmm. and if they want to end their life and have somebody and they're unable to do it themselves i think they should be able to have somebody mm-hmm. help them and that may be an unpopular decision but like it's everyone's choice it's your own choice you should be able to die with dignity yeah if so. you if, if you are able to make that decision under those circumstances yeah i i wouldn't want i wouldn't want to be mechanically kept alive against my will it's such an emotional issue in this country, too, I think, as well, mm-hmm. um, especially as a larger and larger portion of the population gets up in years and, and is into their golden years and mm-hmm. seniors are staying alive later than ever. And you're now having this issue pop up more and more frequently. Like, are you right. forced to be in a nursing home without the use of your facilities if you have dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever, or a brain tumor, cancer, whatever? And right forced to be in a situation that you don't want to be in i think that's i mean it's hard because nobody wants to think about that a for themselves and b for their loved ones it's incredibly challenging and i can't imagine being in that situation i think about my grandmother who was in a nursing home and she had a heart attack and she didn't survive much longer than she was almost she died just before her 100th birthday but she hated that place she hated being in a nursing home she didn't want to live like that. Yeah. And I can't say I blame her. Have you ever been to a nursing home? Yeah, I have. They're pretty horrific. And I think mm-hmm. we need to change how we deal with those places. Yeah, that's a whole other country. issue, especially yeah. with COVID. But Yeah. But anyway, I want to go ahead and wrap the episode up. Yeah. Uh, I hate to end on such a dark note, but... Um, please shoot us an email if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions. Darcy, what is our social media? We are at the BFD podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. So we'll post show notes and pictures and all that stuff there too. And I don't know, you'll have to make your own decision about what you want to post picture wise on Instagram for this one. Um, I'll probably post just a picture of her and a picture of him. I don't really feel comfortable posting anything else. Yeah. Um, on this, if, the listeners want to find out about it more they can just google the names and look for themselves but yeah i'm just not one of those kind of people that really wants to sensationalize or glorify any aspects of a crime like this but right please join us next week when we talk more about weird wacky and wild cases good night podcast peeps stay safe keep it real and always live your very best life bye bye guys